If you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to the uh, uh, book of Isaiah. And I want you to hold your mark there, and then we're going to turn over to the book of Matthew. Last week, we kicked off a sermon series called The, the, Wonders of, uh, the Wonder of Christmas. And uh, uh, we, we began talking about the danger of Christmas and how that, you know, during the Christmas season, things seem to become so busy that, that you know, just like Joseph and Mary, it, it's, it's very easy to uh, make your Christmas journey, or they were making the Passover journey there and back, and then on a, uh, after they had went about a day's uh, a journey away, they actually realized that... Uh, that they had forgotten Jesus back at the temple. And, you know, you can apply that to your life today. You know, we, we know all the festivities and all the meals and, and, and all the, the, the gifts and all the stuff that goes on. And, 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 and it can very easily happen to all of us. I mean, if it happened to Joseph and Mary, which were Jesus' earthly mother and father, they walked with Jesus, they were raising Jesus. If it were possible for them to forget Jesus during a time of spiritual celebration, then it could very easily happen to, to any of us and, and probably does. I mean, we, we can see it. I, I made a couple of uh, uh, mentions. I, I said, you know, it, it seems like during the Christmas season that, uh, that church attendance tends to go down during this time, that, that giving begins to go down d- during this time, and, 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 and we, we just we get caught up with all of the stuff that, that, that's going on and, 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 and excess. And, and again, I'm not, I wasn't preaching about any of those things. I'm just saying, that, you know, everything in moderation. I mean, you know, we, you know, I don't have problems with Christmas trees and I don't have problems with, with gifts under the tree and none of that stuff. But in the process of that, don't get so busy to the point, uh, to you reach a point to where, you know, we, we've totally forgotten what everything was about. So we talked about, start out by talking about the danger of Christmas. Today we're going to talk about the, the miracle of Christmas. Next week we're going to talk about the peace of Christmas, Lord willing. And then the week after that we're going to talk about the scars of Christmas. And so uh, hopefully that God will birth a, a, a true revelation. I'm like Clay. You know, uh, you know, I was just you know, thinking about what I was going to share this morning. And, and it really is an amazing thing to consider the fact that God actually became a man. And, and, and it's so much more than just a, a babe that was wrapped in swallowing clothes. He was born with the purpose, and he was born actually and literally to die. You know, the, uh, uh, he mentioned the story in Matthew chapter 1 where, where he talks about you shall call his name Jesus. And, but what it says after that, and he shall save his people from their sins. And so he was born to be the, the, the substitutionary sacrifice for all human sin. And there was a reason why he was born. You know, if he was just born, if he, if he didn't live and die and raised from the dead, then, then ultimately we'd be gathered together today this, and, and this morning here, and, and, and it would be just hope totally in vain. But, but today, I, I want you just to uh, just hang with me for a few moments and, and, and pray that, that God would just birth in our hearts a, 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 a new wonder for Christmas. You know, a, a, a new, you know, one of his names shall be, he said his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And wonderful doesn't just mean good and, 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 or great. You know, the reason his name is called Wonderful is because when you really think about who Jesus is, if your heart is not filled with wonder... If it's not filled with amazement, if you don't stand back and think, 
wow, this is truly not just an incredible story, but it is a living reality, which you and I can attest to is, is, is radically life-changing. And, and, and so let's, let's just pray together, if you will. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you for these moments that we have together. And I pray that you would bless your word. Birth in our hearts a new wonder for what this season is all about. I pray, God, that you would fill our hearts with expectation and excitement, just like the, the story of the events that surrounded your birth were filled with supernatural miracles. I pray, Lord, that that, that kind of expectation would be birthed in our heart, not just for this season, but for uh, as we enter into 2018. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us revelation, help us to see Jesus today in a way that we've never saw him, fill our hearts with wonder because your name is wonderful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter number 7, verse number 14. It, it starts by saying, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel, Matthew chapter number 1, we'll start reading at verse number 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, he was found with child. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And everybody said, Amen. Now, on December the 25th, over a billion people will celebrate Christmas. You know, as we consider Christmas in the form of a holiday, Christmas is the largest holiday in the world. The great theologian Bart Simpson once said, he said, Christmas is a time where people from all religions come together and they worship Jesus Christ. But the truth is, when you're thinking about the birth of Jesus, no other event in human history is more significant than the birth of the Son of God. Nothing is more important. Nothing is more significant. It absolutely divided time. It changed history. It changed the future. It, it changed eternity. And so his birth is extremely significant, not just significant, but the most significant event ever to happen. Now, we call this event the, the Advent. It's, it's called the, the Advent. And, and again, it's more than just a holiday. It is a moment in time where everything changed. You know, at the advent is God becoming man. He came from heaven and he clothed himself in human flesh. Now consider this, you know, the advent is the God that created time, who stands and transcends time and space 
came to earth and lived and walked among us. I mean, the, the transcendent God, the God that transcends time and space, he is eternal, he is without beginning, and he is without end. He stands alone as God. But there was a moment in time when this eternal God, the, the God that transcends time and space, came to earth, clothed himself in human flesh, and walked and lived among us. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says it, that in the process, of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we may receive adoptions as sons. And so when you consider the birth of Jesus, it's so much more than just a baby being wrapped in swaddling clothes. The events that surround uh, uh, the birth of Jesus are filled with the supernatural. The events that surround the birth of Jesus are, are filled with, with, with supernatural events, with angelic visitations, with, with prophetic declarations. I mean, it's an incredible moment in time because God himself is entering into our world to live and walk among us. Imagine this. There was a time when God walked the earth. I mean, to me, that's an incredible thing because I would have loved to have lived at that time because now I'm living my life for the day when I will be able to see him face to face. I think about that all the time. I mean, I think about the day when I'm going to be able to, to see Jesus with my own eyes. I mean, it, it overwhelms me to, to think that one day I'll put faith away and, and my faith will no longer be necessary because my eyes will behold him. Can you imagine looking at the one who died for you? Can you imagine looking at the scars that, that still are in his hands and feet? You know, the scars are the only man-made thing in heaven. Did you know that? But the scars are still there. But the scars are proof of his love for us. Can you imagine looking, beholding the one who died on the cross, who died a death that you could not die, paid a price that you could not pay. He didn't deserve it. He willingly laid down his life. It says that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. One day you and I will behold him, will look at him, face to face, and I live every day of my life just to make it to that day. What an incredible thing. I mean, I, you know, that, the song that, that they sing all the time, you know, that I can only imagine. You know, it, it, that's a beautiful way of putting it, but, I mean, it's going to be so much more, you know. And the Bible says that when it talks about heaven, it says, Eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But there's also an old song that says that Jesus is what will make it heaven for me. You know, I'm thankful for what we read about uh, heaven's going to be like. I'm thankful that, you know, that there, we'll see the gates of pearl and we'll see the walls of jasper and we'll see the streets of gold. I'm thankful for, the, you know, the, the many mansions Jesus mentions about. But the truth is, I, I, if Jesus wasn't there, I don't want to go. I'm living my life for the one who died for me. He deserves it. He is worthy, and you know what? One day, I'll throw off this old body, and I'll see him face to face, and what a wonderful, wonderful time that will be. Amen? So when we consider this, you know, it, you know the events 
that, that surround it. It is filled with the miraculous. And I'm going to give you three miracles this morning that, you know, there, there were a whole lot more than just three, but, but three of, of the key miracles that happened in the, you know, during the time of, of the birth of Jesus that I believe it's important for you not just to get with your head, but to get in your heart. It, it's important for us to get there. Now, let's look at the first one. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. You know, the first miracle of Christmas was the fulfillment of prophecy. First miracle of Christmas was the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, I think about this stuff all the time. You know, I mean, it, it's amazing to me to consider this because, you know, it, it, it's backed up by, by historical data. When you consider this, when, when you really study it, nobody that is an open and honest uh, seeker, whether they believe Jesus in Jesus or whether they're not, if they consider the historical evidence and proof of his birth, there's, it's undeniable. Anybody that would deny this would simply be unreasonable. And I'm not saying that in a harsh way or a way to try to criticize somebody. I'm just saying the birth of Jesus wasn't historical fact. And so you can read about these things. And if you've never done that, I would encourage you to do that. I promise you, it'll strengthen your faith. But, you know, majority of us, we, we know the, the, the story behind the birth of Jesus. But what you may not realize is that, that his birth right down to the last detail was the fulfillment of many of hundreds of Old Testament prophecies. Now, these prophecies, listen to this, they were written from, uh, uh, from around 1450 B.C. to 430 B.C. And here's the thing that is incredible when you research it and when you look at it. You know, we have actually discovered manuscripts that prove that they were written at least 400 to 1,000 years before Jesus was born. I mean, if you've never done that, if you've never been to the Creation Museum, you know, when, when you see how that the, that the Bible was, was, was transferred and translated, when you study the things like the, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, when, when you look at just the historical uh, facts and, and data, and when they, you see the events that when they discover this, how it's backed up the story, not just the story, but the prophetic fulfillment of the birth of Jesus, it's an incredible thing because God is real. You know, most people just intellectually acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, but intellectual knowledge of Jesus is not saving faith. You know, listen, to, to truly put your faith in Jesus to be saved, it requires you to obey him. I mean, obedience is the proof of faith. How do I know that's true? Because faith without works is... So you can acknowledge it. You can, you know, in your mind, you can say, you know what, I believe that this is true. But the true faith requires you to step out and obey this. And when you have the proper foundation and understanding of who Jesus is, and, and you, it's not just an established fact, but it is personal in your heart, it makes serving Jesus incredible because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His birth wasn't just surrounded by miracles. He does miracles today. And so it's not hard to believe Jesus when you know what is told about him is 100% true. But his birth all the way down to the last detail was prophetic fulfillment of things spoken. Now it'd be difficult to predict something that uh, was spoken about you know, five years prior, let alone 400 to 1500 years before 
the fulfillment. Yet the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus were all predicted even in the Old Testament. It's an incredible thing to study his life, his death, his birth. Actually, in his short period of time here, he actually fulfilled over 300 prophecies, messianic prophecies that were written about him hundreds and even thousands of years ago. Now, that's an incredible thing. Now, that may just sound like, you know, uh, religious rhetoric or, you know, religious jargon. But if you really make it your heart's desire to pursue knowing Jesus more, these are very interesting things. And not just interesting things, life-changing things. There's been a lot of people, a lot of atheists, a lot of agnostic people that, that genuinely have, you know, were, were seeking out uh, for the purpose of disproving Jesus being the Son of God who had made that intellectual journey only to come to the end of that research and find out that there's no doubt what's been said about him is true. You know, Lee Strobel is one guy that he, he, was, he was an atheist and, and he went on a, on a journey where he was researching for the sole purpose of disproving Jesus as being the Son of God. Well, now he's a preacher, and he preaches the gospel all around the world because at the end of it all, he still is. He still is. In, in the pursuit of whatever it may be, he, he, he still is. He is and was and in the come and will be forevermore. And it's an amazing thing when you're able to just sit down and, and, and look at really what has happened and then get it in your heart. Now, here's some scriptures here that, that talk about the, the birth of Jesus. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says he'll be born in Bethlehem. The fulfillment of that we see in Luke chapter 2, that he was born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 7, 14 said to be born of a virgin. Matthew 1, 18 says that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Psalm 72, 10 said that the Messiah would be worshipped and that there would be gifts presented to him by kings. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 said that when they saw the young child with his mother Mary, they fell down and they worshipped him and they opened up their treasuries and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 14, and again in Isaiah 7, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, declare that the child will be called Emmanuel, God with us. So when we're talking about the birth of Jesus, we are talking about the miracle of prophetic fulfillment. Now that's an incredible thing. And if that is boring to you, you probably need to get saved. I'm serious. Because it's amazing you know, you're not blindly believing in something, you know. You know, you know faith is not a, a step from light to darkness. Faith is tar a stepping from darkness to light. You know, faith is not, you know, stepping from the known to the unknown. It's stepping from the unknown to the known, because, listen, he said, Lo, I'll be with you even to the ends of the earth. He said, All of my promises are yes and amen. The Bible says God watches over his word to perform it, to perfect it according to his will and his purpose. I mean, God can be trusted. He's got a track record. Have any of you had a track record with God? 
One of the most important things that you need to hold on to, especially if you're going through a difficult time this morning, is that you need to rehearse the track record of all the times that God has come through for you because if he did it in the past, he can do it today. He will do it again. He will not leave you where you are. Now, sometimes God gives us things that we need in packages we don't like. And so we may not know all the details, we just know that he will, because God always comes through. And that's the first miracle of Christmas, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Here's the second miracle of Christmas, and that is the virgin birth. Now, the, the, the virgin birth has always been a great controversy since its conception, since the, the beginning. Now, Christianity Today did a survey that that uh, ultimately told that the people here, like, for example, 60% of Methodists, and this is not trying to belittle any denomination. This was just the categories of, 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 of who answered the survey. That, that 60% of Methodists denied the virgin birth, 49% of Presbyterians, 34% of Episcopalians, or 44% of Episcopalians, 34% of American Baptists, and 19% of American Lutherans. Now, that is a problem. And, you know, the, the farther along that we go in, 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 the, in the 2000s, the farther we get away from what we call absolute truth. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, the, 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 the liberal media, just the you know, liberals in general, are wanting to do away with absolute truth. In other words, they don't believe that, that there is such a thing as, as absolute truth. Now, they believe that truth can mean something to you and that truth can mean something to me, that, that truth is relative. You know, just because it's wrong for one person doesn't mean that it is wrong for somebody else. Now, in some things, that's actually true. But when it comes to absolute truth, there are some things that we have to agree with. There's some things that we have to accept. You know, I've never been a part of denomination in my life. I have friends that are Baptist. I have friends that are Methodist. I have friends that are Seventh-day Adventists. And you know what? The truth is we, we do not agree theologically about everything. And, and you know what? It's not necessary for us to agree theologically about everything. But there are some things that are essential that we have to agree with in order for us to have fellowship and be able to walk together. There are some things that we have to believe and agree on that are non-negotiables. Now, let me ask you the question. I want you to think about this. And the question is this. Is it necessary for someone to believe in the virgin birth in order to be saved? Is, that, is, is the resurrection not enough? I want you to think about that. Isn't it, can't we just believe in the resurrection and that be enough? For salvation? The answer is no. Do you have to believe in the virgin birth in order to uh, be saved? The answer to that is 
Yes. Now, the next question is obvious as well. Why do we have to believe that the, the virgin birth was, was true? Why is it necessary to believe in the virgin birth? The reason it's necessary to believe in the virgin birth is because the virgin birth is the bedrock of everything that we believe about Jesus being true. In other words, everything that we believe about Jesus, you, you can't believe, not believe in the virgin birth and then believe in, in miracles and believe in signs and wonders and, and, and believe that he died on the cross. You, you know, it, it, it comes with the total package. These are non-negotiables. So we have to believe in, in the virgin birth because everything we believe about Jesus is built upon that truth. That's why it's the, the greatest event in human history, because it, let me explain this to you. Now, what's so significant about the virgin birth? Now, the, the virgin birth reveals the supernatural conception of the child born in Bethlehem's manger. Are you with me? It reveals that from the beginning that there was a supernatural event. Mary was a virgin. She knew no man. Now, it is impossible for a virgin to become pregnant in a natural sense if she has never known a man. Well, the Bible says that this will be a sign to you, that a virgin shall conceive and have a child, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. So what the story tells us, what Scripture tells us, is that there was a virgin by the name of Mary that did not know a man. She was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus had an earthly mother and a heavenly father. Actually, Joseph was his stepfather. Joseph was his earthly father, or, or what we would say would be maybe his stepfather or even his foster father. But the origin of Jesus, where Jesus was conceived, was supernatural. And, and so that's important for us to, to, to understand. Because if, if the virgin birth isn't true, then Jesus ceases from being the Son of God. And if Jesus ceases from being the Son of God, then Jesus also ceases from being the Savior of the world. And so it's important that we know that Jesus had a heavenly father and an earthly mother because it was impossible for him to die on the cross for the sins of the world if he had two earthly parents. Why? Because the scripture teaches us that, that we were conceived in sin and our mother did, uh, when, our, when our mother conceived us, that every one of us are born sinners. You know, every one of us were born with a sinful nature. The Bible says through one man's disobedience, all of us become sinners. Have you ever noticed that, you know, that, that 10 out of 10 people die at the mortality rate hovering right around 100%? Why? Because it says because of one man's sins, all of us will eventually die. And then it says that it's appointed once for a man to die and then comes the judgment. So Jesus, who had a heavenly father, conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a, of a young lady by the name of Mary, of Mary, who was a virgin, was able to come and put on human flesh yet without sin. 
Because the Bible says that, that we do not have an high priest that has not been touched with the feelings of our infirmities, yet was at all points tempted, but without sin. In other words, he was sinless. Now, the only way Jesus could be sinless would be that he was, in fact, God in the flesh. Because only God is sinless, right? So it's essential. It's, it's, it's not optional. You can't just say, okay, that's, that's something that, you know, you know we, we can agree or disagree with. No, it, it's absolutely essential. Now look what the scripture says here in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. It says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus. Verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born to you will be called the Son of God. Now here's something that may not be in your notes, or I can't remember what I put in there, but I encourage you to write this, write this down. The divine sonship of Jesus depends on the virgin birth. The divine sonship of Jesus depends on the virgin birth. Well, what does that mean? That means that if you do not believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, then Jesus ceases to be God in the flesh to you. Now, sometimes that's hard to, for us to grasp. Sometimes that's hard for us to, to, to understand. But that is the miracle of Christmas. I mean, that, that, that is a, a truth that without it, we should all just pack up and leave and go home. But if that's true then we should stand in awe of Jesus and worship him as God. If not, he's no different than David Koresh. If not, he, he's no different than, than, than Jim Jones. If, if that's not true, then he's no different than Buddha or, or Muhammad or, or Krishna or any of the other people that, 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 that claim to be a god or the way to God or a false god. Because listen, the truth is if he is not the son of God, then he's the son of Satan. Because all of us are born a little devilish. Do you know that? You ever notice that you don't have to you know, teach a child to smack another child's brains out? How many of you taught your children to lie? How, you mean, you just, you know, surely that, that, you know, that they didn't just learn that on their own. How did they learn to lie? Well, I mean, it's because we're all born with that sinful nature. And so you wouldn't have to be, those things don't have to be taught. We were very good sinners. Some of us better than others, but we're all, you know, sinning becomes, it comes natural. Now, here's the third thing and the last thing. The first birth, or the first miracle of, of, of Christmas is prophetic fulfillment of the birth of Jesus. The second miracle of Christmas is the virgin birth. And the third miracle of Christmas is the incarnation. In other words, it's this child that was born in the manger is God. And the Bible says some incredible things. This is another reason why I would like to have lived when Jesus uh, was alive. Because, you know, the book of Colossians says this. Now, I've thought about this. And if you really just think about it, I mean, it's an incredible thing. The book of Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2, it says that it pleased the Father that all of the fullness of God would dwell in Jesus. I mean, everything that makes God God dwelled in him. 
Now listen, it's impossible for us to describe God. I mean, look, I mean, what kind of a job do I have? I can't even tell you what chocolate tastes like. But I'm up here trying to describe to you how good God is or explain to you about how amazing God is, about how real God is. And you know what? He blows my mind today. And the incredible thing about God is that the fact that he, it's possible for us to know him. I still can't get over the fact that you can know God. And not only does God, uh, is God knowable, he knows you. He doesn't just know you, he thinks about you all of the time. You know, the Bible says that, that God's mindful of us. What does it mean? It means that God's mind is full of us. What do you, what's, going, what's going through God's mind today? What's on God's mind today? You are on God's mind today. You are the thoughts that he has in his mind about you. And one of the things we know about God is that God is love. And there's so many people that struggle to be able to receive the love of God because they've had a bad representation of a heavenly father in the form of an earthly father. People's lives, they're full of rejection. They, maybe they experience divorce or abandonment or, or, or just some kind of tragic thing happened to them. And it, and it, and it so uh, bent them in such a shape that it's hard for them to be able to really actually see God for who he is. But you know what? God is love. And love never thinks unloving thoughts about you. Now, that, that blows my mind. You know, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They are good. They are good. They are good. But that is, that is for some folks that are here today, that is a concept that they cannot get their mind around. You have no problem seeing Jesus as a judge who's out to get you. You know, you, you, it's no problem for you to, to be able to see God that every time that you mess up, he's writing it down to remind you. I mean, you have no difficulty trying to see God as somebody that wants to punish you, but it's nearly an impossible thing for you to actually think that God loves you. And again, it's one thing to know that theologically. It's another thing to know it experientially. What did the Bible say in Galatians 4.4? 4, 4, I quoted it a while ago. That in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those that are under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. I mean, God loves you. I mean, he, he's, he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you so much that, that he didn't create you for time. God created you for eternity. A lifetime is not long enough for God to tell you how much I love you. And then it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, who has loved us with his great love, that in the ages, plural, to come, that he might show his exceeding great riches and grace toward us. Now, that sounds really high, deep, and theological. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, throughout all eternity, God is going to tell you, 
just how much that he loves you. And every time you get a revelation of that in your heart, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to go, you're going to take a, a lap around the throne, and you're going to think, man, I think God loved me. And then all of a sudden, you're going to get a revelation in your heart, and you're thinking, wow, God, you really do love me. And then you're going to, you know, you're going to take a lap around the throne of God again, and you're going to think, God, you're blowing my mind. I mean, I thought you loved me, but Lord, no, you really, you really do love me. And then you're going to take another lap around the throne, you're thinking, God, you are amazing. Not, not only do you love me, you really love me. And, and, and I can't even begin to experience it. That's why it's going to take ages, plural. Now, if that don't make you want to cry happy tears, that's the Christmas story. He came as God in the flesh. So you could be with him forever. Hell is not a place that God sends the wicked to. Hell is a place that man chooses to go to because they reject God. God didn't create hell for man. The Bible says that God gets no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It does say this, that God is long-suffering, that he's patient, not willing that any should perish, that all will come to repentance. You know what? Maybe God's been dealing with you for a long, long, long time. And, and the fact that, that you're still alive today is the fact that he's been so patient that, you know what? He wants to give you one more chance. Because when we stand before God one day, we'll be without excuse. But I want to encourage you, don't put that off any longer. To me... I believe procrastination is the world's most deadliest sin. I believe more people have went to hell because they procrastinated than alcoholics, murderers, drunkards, pedophiles. I believe hell will be filled with people that just procrastinated and put it off one too many days. What a horrible, horrible thing that would be. If you're here this morning, and then go ahead and come to music. If you're here this morning, and you're one of those people who have put it off and put it off and put it off, don't walk out of this door today without doing business with God. You know, it's not hard to get saved. It's not hard. It really, when you're ready to get down to business with God, it's not hard to get saved. There's no big words or fancy prayers that, that you have to pray in order for that to happen. It's just the surrendering of everything in you to him. You know, an easy math question to understand salvation is that Jesus plus anything equals nothing. And Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And when it comes to being a Christian, there's a moment when you surrender everything. And then there's a moment-by-moment moment surrendering of your life every day after that. Now, it costs you nothing to become a Christian, but it'll cost you everything to be a follower of Jesus. And I don't want to separate those two. It's not either or, it's both and. Because when you surrender everything, you don't belong to yourself anymore. How many of you, you know, when, you, when you got saved, you, know, you give your life to Jesus, you meant it? If you meant it, 
then you don't belong to yourself anymore. That means your opinions are irrelevant. Your likes are irrelevant. Your dislikes are irrelevant. Because you, you, you can't say no, Lord, and mean it at the same time. If he's Lord, then guess what the, your only answer is? You know how many times I've tried to quit since I've been a minister? Thousands upon thousands of times. And people leave and come back and they just, you know, they, they, they move churches as if they're the Lord of their life. Now, do I believe that God sometimes sends people places? Yeah, I do. But I'll tell you this much. You better make sure that when you go or where you go that God's the one that's doing the sending. Because you know what? There is no perfect church and there's no perfect world and you know, there's no perfect people. But when the Lord is the Lord of your life, even if it's difficult for you, He will use that for His glory. Because all things work together for the, for the good of those that love the Lord, right? To those that are calling according to His purpose. But this third miracle, the incarnation, when you think about it, it's incredible. But if Jesus had an earthly father, the Bible would be untrustworthy. Because the Bible proclaims that he didn't have an earthly father. If Jesus had human parents, then there's no way to explain his supernatural con conception. There's no way to uh, explain his, his supernatural life, his substitutionary death, his bodily resurrection, his heavenly ascension, or his second return. You can throw the rest of that stuff out the door simply by not knowing and believing in the virgin birth. So it's, it's important that we know this? Absolutely. Matter of fact, what we're talking about today is a heaven and hell issue. It's important that we grasp it to the point that we believe so much in it that we'll surrender to that man who was born, that baby that was born in a manger. Because he was born to die. He was born to be the Lamb of God. But he's coming back as the line of the tribe of Judah. And people say, well, all this bad stuff that's happening all, uh, around the world, it's God's judgment against you. Not yet. Not yet. We'll be. Because there'll be a day when the judgment of God will come so fearful, so powerful, so, so total that the Bible says that the earth will dissolve away because of the fervent heat. So before we're quick to proclaim God's judgment, and do I believe God does judge things? Absolutely. But sometimes His judgment is simply giving us over to our own lusts and desires. Sometimes God's judgment against us is simply Him giving us what we want. I don't even know what I want. I don't even know what's best for myself. Do you? If you do, I'm scared for you. You know why? All of us are just one step away from stupid. And when things go wrong or things go bad, we'll react out of an emotion or a feeling that will ultimately end up making things far worse than what they really are. Stand with me.
So I've shared with you again just three of the miracles that are the miracles of the Christmas story or the miracles surrounding the birth of Jesus. And my question to you is, do you believe them? Not just believe them, do you believe them enough to say, I surrender to you, Lord. Because I feel like this in my spirit. There's some of you that you are Christians, you do believe what I'm telling you. But there's some things that you're holding on to that you've not surrendered to this one who claims to be God in the flesh. The things that, that you're holding on to that you've not simply laid at the altar and left them there. If he is who he says he is, then you can trust him. And some of you, you're having a hard time to trust him with something that's going on in your life. And, and, and I believe that this message was, was God wanting to speak to you to help build up your faith to believe because God is the God of miracles. So if you need a miracle in your life, it's a good time for you to be here this morning. Because not only was his birth surrounded by miracles, his life was surrounded by miracles. His resurrection was a miracle. His ascension was a miracle. Coming back is a miracle. And what he did in the past, he can do today. What he done for others, he can do for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're here today, and we are faced with the same question Jesus asked the Pharisees. Well, whose son is he? They were debating on whether Jesus was legit or not. So they asked him, well, whose son is he? Well, if he's God's son, then we must come to him for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins, for deliverance, for everything that we need. If he's not, we need to go find the real one. Because there's a lot of fake Jesuses that are being preached behind pulpits today. That simply says, you know what, just easy believism. All you got to do is just believe. As if it's a mental acknowledgement. That doesn't put a demand on our life. See, a faith that doesn't cost you something is a faith that's not worth anything. And so I believe God is putting a demand on our faith and saying, do you believe who I am or who I say that I am enough to follow me? And maybe some of you are thinking, well, you know what? I don't know about all this stuff. Well, today, the Christmas story is just relevant as it was 2,000 years ago. Because this same Jesus that was born in Bethlehem, that was found lying in a manger, that was wrapped in swaddling clothes, born over 2,000 years ago, this same Jesus said in John chapter 3 that he wants a second birth experience to happen in your heart. In John chapter 3, he said this, he said must be born again and maybe you've got the Christmas story in your head but you don't have the Christmas story in your heart and he says listen if you're not born again you'll by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven and if you're not I want to encourage you don't walk out of this door saying I'll do it some other time don't walk out this door saying you know what I'll do it later 
tomorrow's promise to no man. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. He said, Behold, if you if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart as your fathers did. Because we'll walk out of this door stomping, spitting, and insulting the grace of God that was demonstrated through the death of Jesus on the cross. Amen. Let's pray. Father. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would just move across this building. And I pray for every person that, here that, that may not be saved. That God, you'll deal with them. That you'd speak to them. That you would bring conviction in their hearts. For those that, that are uncertain, I pray God that you would reveal yourself to them in a way that they may know and know that they know. I pray God for those that are in need of a miracle this morning. That, that maybe that, that they're holding back because they're, they're not sure that you will. They believe that you can, but they're not sure that you will. I pray that this story this morning and the truth behind all of the miraculous things that happen will birth faith in their heart to just surrender whatever it is they're dealing with to you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have 100% assurance that if you died today, if you breathed your last breath, if your heart stopped beating, that you'd be thrust out into eternity to stand before God and that He would say, depart from me, I never knew you. If you are not right with God and he, the Lord is dealing with you this morning, on the count of three, would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up and say, that's me. That's me. Amen.